Welcome to the first ever podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Baum. Today, I'm talking to LA-based photographer, Courtney Coles. She's done photos for countless artists, and uh, her work has appeared in The Wall Street Journal, Paste, Slate, amongst tons of others. Uh, she's also the co-founder of my favorite arts collective, which is called To The Front, which showcases work from women and non-binary photographers in particular, uh, many of which I'm very, very lucky to call friends. In the future, I'll be interviewing many more from this group as they're all inspiring in their own ways. Uh, it was an honor to talk to her and to hear her story and learn that we both had a, our own unique experiences with a now defunct local venue here in the San Fernando Valley, which is called the Cobalt Cafe. Um, I appreciate you being here. I apologize for my voice right now. I sound a little worse than usual. Uh, the band I sing in, Touche Amore, has been getting together and practicing a lot more. Um, and I promise we've been doing it safely. Uh, we all get tested regularly and, uh, you know, we, we take the proper precautions. So don't yell at me. I, I swear we're being good. Uh, so, yes, I apologize for how I sound right now. Um, in the coming weeks, uh, there might be some more intros where I sound a little little more hoarse than usual. But I promise in this conversation it was before I had to yell a lot. So it's not as bad. Um once again, honestly, thank you so much for being here. This conversation is awesome. Courtney rules. Uh, check out her photography. She has a website and she has Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff. So uh, so keep an eye on her work. Um, I'm so happy she was here. This is great. Uh, thank you also for being here. And this is my conversation with Courtney Coles. And this is the first ever podcast. Courtney, thank you so much for doing this. This is uh, this is exciting. Uh, we talked uh, probably at least two months ago about having you on, so I'm glad that this uh, this worked out. Same. Oh wow, two months ago. What is that? What's time? <laughs> What's time anymore? Exactly. That's that's. <laughs> Do you agree that time is not only moving dramatically slow, but also faster than it's ever moved in your entire life? Oh God, yeah. March was like 3,000 years long and then the rest of the year it sped up and then somehow we're in September and it's almost October and it's, I, my brain cannot wrap itself around any of it. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's so, it's so odd. Um, do you do any, uh, I guess I don't know this. Do you have a, do you have like a straight job outside of, outside of uh, doing photography or is photography the full-time Photography is a full-time gig and okay. when everything slowed down, I guess closed, uh, that's when work slowed down and I've been out into like, you know, the void, like what do I do? What other skills do I have? And my only other skill is being a barista and that's terrifying because people you're with COVID, people. And it's <laughs> like, I'd rather just stay home and like cry about not having <laughs> work than put myself in danger. But um, yeah, yeah, it's been a weird what six months seven months yeah it really has and it's funny it's what you just said is is i think something that's going through any creative's brain right now which is oh my god my job is in jeopardy the thing that i do well or at least that i do that i can rely on some sort of income is now out the window or just harder to, to have it maintain so what other skill set do i have and what if i get invested in that you know, more office job, whatever, whatever, like normal job skill set is, am I going to be able to break back away from that and still be creative when this comes back? Exactly. You know, <laughs> yeah, I feel like, uh, I feel like it, it's sad to say, but I, I think in the next few months, we're going to see a lot more bands breaking up or people just giving up their, 
they're the thing that they love because it just it, it's not it's not viable to continue holding out hope for it's mm-hmm. it's scary oh god it's like it i don't even want to know what happened to most of my favorite bands post the end of the year it's ugh. Um, but, uh, on a more positive topic, I'm, uh, I'm again, I'm really excited to talk to you about this. Uh, I, yeah, you're, you're the first to the front person for the podcast, which is, which is very How exciting. exciting. Wow. Yeah. Uh. Which is, you know, we can, we can work, we can get into all the to the front stuff in, in a bit, but, uh, but you know, it goes without saying that I'm such a, a fan of, of all of you and, and what you've all brought to not only the photography world, but sort of, you know, the whole creative space be within punk and hardcore and, and mm-hmm. all music actually in general, because, you know, some of the photographers shoot outside of punk and hardcore, which is, uh, which is wonderful. So it's, it's exciting to have you on to, to get into all this stuff. Yay. Oh, yeah. What an honor to be here. <laughs> like I was thinking about oh, this like you. the other day, how like, I think it was 2011, 12, whatever year I was living with my last like roommate. Um, I think a friend of mine like introduced me to Touche and I was like, how the heck have I not heard this band when we're literally from the same, (laughs) same town. And I think the first album got me through like that, like rough, uh, like fall winter. And then I moved into my own place and I was like, all right, I'm a real artist. I'm living on my own in Portland. It's so great. But also I miss my home so much. Jeremy's great. Who's this (laughs) person? Who's this person? And then fast forward to like two to front. I was like, what the, is that I'm like, wow, weird, cool. Don't fangirl. Don't do it. <laughs> uh-huh. So that's uh, my that's, story. That's of like, true. yes, you got me through like uh, the first like big winter in like Portland and then all that fun stuff. Oh, wow. So wait, when were you, when did you live in Portland? Uh, I moved there in 2010 and I moved back to LA uh, December 2013. So I think it was like 2011-ish. Okay. It was like the weirdest, like wettest and darkest and saddest winter and um, it was like so many <laughs> sad, dark things. Like, because Portland is sad and dark, but like for whatever reason, like that was like the wettest winter they had in like twenty plus years. And I was like, cool. <laughs> I'm so sad. <laughs> like, go figure. Oh, I moved no. here for the rain, but there's so much of it. But yeah, like I yeah. loved the first two records so much, and it's hard to listen to them now because I have them associated with like deep, sad feelings. But Dear goodness, thank you for that. Oh, that's real. I mean, it, that means a lot. Uh, it's it's interesting how music and and movies and things like that, uh, as much as they can be so helpful for some rough periods in your life, it it's it's a shame when they become so associated oh that you just have a hard time revisiting. You know, like man, I really love this it's record. Like, I'm in a good place now. It's like, no, please don't do that, Courtney. <laughs> you work so hard to leave that place beautiful albums but i have to do it in moderation right it's also funny when it's situations of uh of records or movies from a certain time that you that everybody collectively loved and you just burned them out so hard for yourself at that time that you just can't you know you know what records i in movies i always think of for that which i I don't know if listeners or you will agree with this but uh Yo, the Postal Service, that's, it's an undeniably great record. I love the Postal Service. I can't listen to it. I heard it too many times when it came out. Like, it's just like, I know it's great, but I can't, like, I just (laughs) can't put on that record because it's just, it's too, I, I heard it too many times. I just heard it way too many times. It's so dark too. Like, it's a dark album. I didn't realize how dark it was until like I hit a low point and I was like, wait a minute. I'm in a 
downswing, and this is even worse <laughs> than my downswing. Well, Ben, do you do you want to hug? <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, th- that's a whole conversation. I mean, I think yeah, I, one of my favorite things in music is is songs that are so bubblegummy and 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 poppy and sweet, and you know, like s- so much soul music specifically. You know, it's it's so. Mm-hmm some of the saddest songs you've ever heard in your life, but, but done with such bubblegum pop that you're like, Oh, I love this song. And then you get into the nitty gritty of it. And you're like, Oh my God, what a like, wow. Do you want to hug? Like, are you talking yeah. to someone about this? You talking to someone about this? <laughs> exactly. I know you're from Southern California, but where in the, cause you're from the San Fernando Valley. So where in the Valley are you from? I'm from Silmar. Okay. Okay. And you, you were born and raised in Silmar? Yes. Uh, or I guess born in Panorama city, but yeah, born and raised in Silmar. Um, I was there until like 1920 and I moved to Portland for undergrad and then came back because it was easier to be broke at home than broke in another city. Oh, for sure. <laughs> My parents wanted me home. So I was like, fine, rent, what's rent? I'm not paying that here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when you were growing up in, in, uh, in Silmar, what, what was your, like when you were going out, to sh- were you going out to shows at like a younger age and were you hitting like the cobalt like the rest of us or were, where where were you finding music? So I was finding music via MySpace and like LiveJournal, Zanga. Um, I don't know why baby me thought it would be great to give my address to strangers, but I used to get mixtapes <laughs> in the mail from like internet friends and um, some of those early bands I don't even remember, but my parents wouldn't let me go to shows because they're like, school's important. And I was like, but music. And so when it came to shows, I had to pick and choose who I wanted to see. And so um, I mainly went to like bigger shows at like uh, House of Blues. And it was like once every few months because my mom did not want to drive <laughs> to Hollywood. Fair. Sure. Um, but there are a couple of shows at the Cobalt I will go to. Um, and they're mainly like Battle of the Bands kind of things because I was supporting local bands. And that was my one get out of jail free car mom it's in the backyard it's only in canoga park whatever <laughs> and right. so um i think i was 17 or 18 when i started going regularly to the cobalt just for random shows because i wanted to experience the local scene and like really be heavy into it because i was supporting from like the myspace standpoint of like just posting about bands but it was never really actually allowed <laughs> to go to shows um thanks mom but <laughs> um, I think after I like got a license and like was able to kind of like do it myself, my parents let me run free to do whatever I want. And so I think I was on, because I went to Pierce College for a hot second and I was all about like local stuff. And so I pretty much took all the angst from my teen years and rolled it into like this one like story I did on the Cobalt and like the hardcore scene. And that was my first foray into all that what were the i'm just curious what when you were going to the cobalt what were what were the bands you were seeing because i'm curious how how in the same circle we could have been we could have been yeah yeah i went uh, recently i was actually looking through my hard drive because my sister remembered an old photo i made of some some random out of town band and so i was like going through photos and like looking at the crowd and going like oh that's kevin like holy shit like kevin was at the same show as me but i didn't meet this person until like seven years later but um, there's a band called 10 Seconds Ago that I was a massive fan of. And I think Hello Goodbye played a show either with them or like someone was on the way to that show or something, but I couldn't go because I never ride back to Silmar. Um, there was 
Who else played? Oh my gosh. I think I saw Danger was there. If not there, then the smell. Um, sure. That makes sense. Uh, who else? Yeah, it's, it's funny. Like, when whenever uh, people talk about the Cobalt, just for, you know, again, for, for listeners, so it's not just so, such a, uh, you know, inside baseball conversation between <laughs> Courtney and I. Like, the Cobalt Cafe is the same place in your hometown of, like, that small venue that any local band could play if they wanted to. But uh, there was, it was as good as it was bad. Oh, God. It was, like, the best, but also the worst. <laughs> the worst place. Yeah. Like, exactly. Like, it, especially from, like, a, a young band <laughs> standpoint, it, it did, it served two things. You were able to, <laughs> you were able to call up being a nobody band and say, hey, I'd really love my band to play there. And then they would say, okay, cool. What day do you want to play? And then, you know, you look at the calendar and then, you know, they'll be like, cool, you can play at six o'clock on this Tuesday. <laughs> you know, some, some horrendous, some horrendous time, but whatever. It gave local bands that, you know, most of the time probably weren't ready to play shows and uh, in a, in a, a chance to play shows. So that's, so for that, it's wonderful. But when you when you get older and you think about their business model, you're like, oh my god, did they take, did they take <laughs> advantage of kids? Like the deal was uh, that you don't get paid as a <laughs> like the bands don't get paid until you brought in thirty people, and then after thirty people, you get one dollar a head for <laughs> after that. So you do the math and you're like, okay, cool, this is a ten dollars show. They're making nine dollars off of uh, off, and then after the thirty, it's like. You know, a band could walk away being like, oh, my God, we made $40. And you're like, God, they just raked in so much money off this one band out of like off like the eight bands that were playing that night. Like, it's just it was such a racket. But (laughs) but yeah, on top. but at the same time, blessing, it was a blessing because, you know, my bands in, in high school and out of high school and everything like that, like we all got an opportunity to sort of, you know, find ourselves and find our rhythm in being comfortable performing in front of other people. And, you know, a lot of connections were made and it's like, yeah, there was a, the, that like DB crust band, uh, <laughs> tragedy, like they, you know, they're, they're, they're one of the most known bands in that world. They played the cobalt. And I remember that being the first time where that venue didn't feel like the cobalt where it was like, <laughs> Oh, this is an actual real show that's happening here. And it was packed more packed than it's ever been. And the funny thing is that was, as you mentioned with, I'm assuming when you say Kevin, do you mean Kevin Silva? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Kevin Silva. He's, he's someone who in the, in our scene here in Southern California, where he, he's at every show. He's the, he's every the show. best person every show. And, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, we, when Touche got together with the lineup that we've had now since like 2009 or whatever, um, we all realized that every single one of us was at that show way <laughs> before we all knew each other. I was like, oh, my God, you were at the tragedy show at the Cobalt? Like, everybody was at that show somehow. Um, it's funny how that works out. But, I love uh, that. But, yes. So, so at what point did you become interested in photography? Was it around that same time or was it before uh, getting into the music scene? Oh, so definitely way before music. Or I guess I've always loved music, but I photographed my friends um, and all that. And I think when I really, really was like, music's where I want to be. I um, I think I got semi serious about photography. Oh, photography! But it, I think at every show I was at, whether it was like a, a house of blues show or like Cobalt, whatever, 
I had some kind of camera on me because I knew that I couldn't play worth a damn. Like I can't, I can't play anything, but I wanted to be part of like the party somehow. And I looked around and I realized not all kids have, you know, cameras and they weren't really like documenting it. And in my head, I felt like someone has to do it. Why can't I be that, be that person? And so I had my camera on me and I don't know at what point it like became a thing. I was doing it for the bands or for myself or magazines or whatever, but it, it went hand in hand. I couldn't think of going to a show without having a point and shoot with me. And like, whether it's for me or for my friends, it was just a way to document like the night and for us to like look on my space, like, oh my gosh, this band was so great. Let's relive the party again. And um, yeah, because my very, very, like very first show was Taken Back Sunday at Tower Records on Sunset. They had like a, their CD mm. release show. And I was like, I don't have a camera. My camera can't take photos inside. So I'm going to bring my disposable camera and photograph. And Lazara, it's great. Shitty photos. Oh, shitty awesome. photos. But I was like, wow, this is so fun. <laughs> I want to uh, keep doing this. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. That, uh, it's funny. What you just said is, is I feel like such an important lesson or, or not even lesson, but just sort of thing for people to remember. It's like, if you want to be a part of specifically like, you know, any sort of punk scene or, or anything in that world, like you don't have to be a musician. There's so many different angles oh, so you can take. To, yeah. And, and for someone to just feel like, oh, I, I don't have any musical talent or I don't think I have any musical talent. Also, first, if that's what you're thinking, you can always just yell into a microphone. It's not that hard. <laughs> um, but but uh, but but you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, like you you can pick up a camera or you can start interviewing people or you can learn how to throw shows or you can do you know, there's so many different angles to still contribute and be a part of something. You don't you don't have to feel like you don't have any sort of worth in that. Mm-hmm in that world. So the, what, do you remember what your first camera was, um, that you, that you were excited to get? Did you, was it like a hand-me-down or was it, oh, I, I want this camera and I'm going to, I'm going to like save up and try to get it. I think aside from the camera my parents gave me when I was like six or seven, um, my first digital camera, I cannot remember at all, but it was definitely, my parents pulled like a fast one on me. I had no idea they were like even paying attention to me when I said, I want to be a photographer when I grow up. Um, it was like Christmas and I was 13 and at the time I was really into astronomy. And so we're looking through one of the science magazines and my parents asked, you know, what telescope I wanted or something. And so somehow I like bypassed all the telescopes and I was like, Ooh, this camera looks fun. And this offhandedly. And I thought nothing of it because I was using disposable cameras. And that Christmas, my parents were like, beaming with joy, like open this box. And I was like, okay. And so I opened it. It was like this little point shoot, probably like one or two megapixels, but it was 2003. Who cares about that? Yeah. And I was the first person in my friend group that had, you know, a camera. And it was that along with my mom's Polaroid. But I think um, post all that, because my parents wanted me to get a practical job, go to college for a real, a real thing. And so I thought, okay, I'll do psychology journalism in like minor photography. And they are very dead set on like, this is the last camera we're buying you. If you're serious about this, figure it out. And so I was like, I'm going to get a job. And not only am I going to pay for college, I'm going to also pay for my own camera. And I did. And it was a uh, Ken Rebel K2, which is a 35 millimeter. And I bought it specifically for um, classes at Pierce. 
turns out like that class was like the last, I guess the year before was the last year they used film because like no one used film anymore in 2000, I think seven or eight, seven. Mm-hmm. No, yes, uh, fall of 07. And I was like, wait a minute, I bought this film camera and you guys don't have a lab. I don't have money for a digital camera. I'm going to make this work. Oh, no. And I did. And my teacher told me that I was, I think, the only student that had a film camera in the digital class uh, winter of 08. And he pretty much pulled me aside and said, like, the fridge in the back, whatever's in there, you can have it. And I was like, what? And there's like a fridge full of film. <laughs> and so for three years, I didn't really pay for film because it was in the fridge. And so I still have that camera. Looking, I'm looking right at it. And uh, yeah, that was the very first camera I bought. I taught myself how to photograph the shows on that thing uh, at the Cobalt. So the dingy, gross Cobalt was the first place I learned how to photograph <laughs> bands. And yeah. That's awesome. It's it's cool to have the Cobalt have another <laughs> legacy besides like, you know, all of our shitty bands with our <laughs> shitty equipment, you know, playing poorly in this uh, carpet, this gr- dingy carpeted oh, God, room so with a gross. stage that's like nine inches tall. It's a platform. <laughs> <laughs> a platform, exactly. Uh, but no, that's wonderful to, to hear that someone else, you know, in a different in a different way, you know, got their chops figuring out how to make it work, how to, yeah. how to do it. Um, do you remember the first time where you got a photo back and you were like, you're like, Oh my God, this, I think this looks good. You know, it's not just like, Oh, it's like, you know, really blown out or too dark or too bright or something like that. Like where, where you, you found the setting that worked in the room. Um, I want to say probably the cobalt because at the time I was also sneaking my camera into the glass house and that was, I think, right when they're like implementing their whole like no cameras allowed rule, whatever. Mm. And so, since I was using film, I was like, oh, but it's film. No one uses film. And they're like, you're right. <laughs> I was like, you're an idiot. <laughs> whatever. But I think the Cobalt, um, there's this band called The Messenger. And I was just playing around because I was using film. I was just playing around with settings and I was very much against using flash because I didn't want to like distract from the show and they're like they turn off all the lights in the in the venue I'm like it's so dark in here what the I can't okay whatever and so I think I've popped off the flash maybe a couple of times and I was just like praying for mercy like please don't kill me I'm so sorry but also I hope this comes out <laughs> and it did and to this day it's like one of my favorite photos and <clears throat> the lead singer's name is Kim and um they went on to be one of my favorite local bands for a bit. Fast forward to like 2016 or whatever, probably seven or so years later, uh, I'm working at Groundwork Coffee and like the person I'm with, like he sounds and looks so familiar, but I can't place how I know him. And then I think he came up to me and said, were you at the Cobalt like in 08 or something? I'm like, yeah, I used to live there. I used to be the photographer. What's up? <laughs> He's like... I think he photographed me and like, it's like my favorite photo of me. Oh, wow. And I was like, wait a minute. Were you in a band called The Messenger? <laughs> he was like, yes. I was like, holy fuck. <laughs> Jesus. So yeah, that happened. But yeah, so that photo was like my favorite for a, a very long time. And it was the very first one where I went like, holy crap, I can, I can do this. This is, this is not that hard. <laughs> not that hard. Yeah. Despite being hard because like, I hate, I hate flash shows, but that's just me. Sure. <laughs> it's t- I mean, it's I, 
Yeah, it's tough because the, mm -hmm. you can never, you walking into a show knowing that you need to, to take photos at it, especially if you're hired for, you know, a publication, mm -hmm. you know that you need to produce something, but you don't know what the band's light show is going to be, especially if you're unfamiliar with the band oh, where you're God, like, yeah. oh, I really, I really hope I can pull this off. Hope That's I don't ruin your night. Really... Yeah, it's. Yeah. Ugh. It's also my on-camera flash because it's, a, you know, an older camera. So it's like, I'm so sorry for this, like, pop-up <laughs> flashing your face. Please don't kill me. <laughs> when I was clicking around, do, doing a little bit of research, did did you go to CalArts? I did. I just graduated last year with my MFA. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. How was your, how was your time there? It was definitely way better than it would have been when I was 18 because I wanted to go back, you know, as a young pup. And I'm so thankful I went to Portland instead because CalArts has literally no rules. <laughs> Anything goes. It's not a place to go if you have like no, um, I guess, foundation or like any kind of work ethic. So I feel totally bad for anyone who's 18 to like 22-ish who goes to CalArts because it's really the kind of school you go to once you know art is what I want to do. I'm serious about this. Here's what I want. And um, for MFA, it, I mean, it has a rep of being like, you know, one of the best schools to go to for um, your MFA. And I loved it. Of course, you know, every school has its issues, but I'm so thankful I went when I did because my cohort were all still friends, great people, great advisors, great mentors. Would do it again. Oh, that's awesome. But just not now because Zoom is a thing. So maybe not. <laughs> oh, right. Of course. <laughs> I can't even imagine when it comes to like an art class, how how that, oh man, that seems so tough. Uh, yeah. Nick, the <laughs> guitar player in my band, uh, who's a graphic design artist, he went there. And oh. uh, he he's Yay. still, you know, he'll always sing praises and he, and he still reaches out to them um for certain projects and for instance like we're we're working on a music video right now mm -hmm. uh and he hired a, a a specific artist um that he knew like from the alumni oh, because yes. you know it's it's just it's just such a it's such a pool of incredible artists Talent in every so single, good. oh yeah do you do you think just thinking ahead that it's going to be one of those things you'll always kind of keep to dip back into or to do work with and, and things like that if the opportunity arises? Oh, yeah. Before even going to CalArts, I, they're my first big client because my friend is the, I guess he's a photography manager or something really important at the school. And it was like the first time they were hiring like a freelancer to come document alumni uh, weekend. And it was like after um, I had like, got off tour with AW and I was like in the limbo space of like, what am I doing with my art? Like, I can't go back to coffee. I have to really try to make this work. And it was pretty much a whole thing of like, all right, apply to grad school. If you don't get in, whatever. If you do, cool. And then I get a call from my friend asking if I was free that weekend to like come do a thing for CalArts. And I was like, holy crap. Like the school I want to go to is hiring me <laughs> to document things. Like what kind of world is this? That's huge. And, um, so that, and then like getting into the school, I was trying to keep it quiet because I didn't want anyone to like, you know, I didn't want to tell someone I was, or tell them when I was applying because I didn't, I wanted to get on my own merit. And when I got in, I was like, holy crap, like my biggest client is now like the place I'm going to school. <laughs> <laughs> like what a weird world. And um, yeah, it was great. And like they, my, I guess my friend's boss, who's like my direct boss, she was like, happy you got in, but also so sad we can't pay you your freelance rates as a student. And I was like, fair. I chose this life. It's okay. 
but yeah, post-grad it's, I look to CalArts as like people I can like pull for assistance or any kind of help because again, brilliant minds are at that place. Absolutely. Do you actually, that, that kind of leads into this next question. Do, oh, do you remember what your first like paid gig was for, I'm assuming it was live photography, but do, do you remember what that was and, and what the pressure was like that you felt in that circumstance? Holy crap. It, oh yes, I do. Cause it's like, it was such a like wild moment where I was there on behalf of Pierce College and also just like working the show for the Cobalt. And it was volumes. It was their very first show. And I forgot who, if it was like a friend of the band or someone in the band, but came up to me, asked if I will photograph them. And I was thinking to myself, well, yeah, I'm photographing everyone tonight. And they're like, and how much can we pay you? And I was like, whoa, what? <laughs> no one said anything about payment. They're like, we'll give you 80 bucks. And I was like, $80? Okay, <laughs> fine. Yeah. And so that was, I think, 2009 or 10. Definitely before I moved to Portland, that was like the very first time someone like offered to pay me to do live stuff. Cause I've photographed friends, I think, for their senior portraits and stuff. But I think music wise, that was the very first time money exchanged hands. Now it's just so beside myself. Yeah. And now, I mean, I know you've shot for for a lot of different publications between music and just entertainment in general. Do you do you remember what your first experience was just pitching or getting getting contacted by like uh, a, a larger publication to do to do work um it was a little bit scary but also not if that makes sense um I'm thankful to have come up when Flickr was somewhat of a not terrifying place to be um there's a photographer named Todd who's like everyone's go-to favorite person because I have yet to meet this person but He's so kind, so generous with his information and his handles I should chose. And um, he, I think in the sea of like all the older people just like shitting on younger photographers, he was the one who was like, so like use this setting and do this thing and blah, blah, blah. And here's how you approach publicists. And I was like, all right, copy paste, gonna like make this sound smart, <laughs> you know, for an 18 year old. And um, pitching was terrifying, but also somehow it was easier to get a yes back then than it was or than it is now. And I think it's because I approached it in such a very like, yes, I'm a fan, but also here's where the photos will live. And like, here you go. Yes or no. Either way, I'll still be at the, <laughs> I'll still be at the show. And I think I made it easier on them being like, I already have a ticket. I just need a photo pass. Like, I just want that extra access. Like, don't worry about like doing X, Y, Z for me. And, um, yeah, the first few shows were terrifying, but then I quickly started photographing at the Nanny Factory and Key Club and all that. And I don't think I was paid for any of those, but it was still like such a exhilarating thing to like go, wow, I'm 19. I'm at the gig. I have a photo pass. This is cool. And um, I'm trying to channel in baby Courtney because she was so fearless. She somehow got into all these bars underage. What? What? But um, yeah, that was, it was terrifying, but also wasn't as scary as it, I know it probably can be because of Todd's advice and, you know, all that greatness. Do you remember the, do you remember the first time you saw your print or your, your, just your photo in general in a magazine? I feel like Substream was probably the first place I saw my like photograph in print and it was of my friend's band, Staircase Spirits. 
And I was just beside myself, like, whoa, my whole dream of wanting to photograph my friends and get paid for it and blah, blah, whatever, it's true. And now it's in, now it's in print. Yeah. And that was such a, I think I bought either one or two copies. <laughs> but of course. Well, no, that's a lie. Yeah. No, my very first time was uh, this local magazine called The Deli. And the name of the band is like Slipping Me, but it was my first cover. And also, you know, first, you know, photograph in print. And um, that was 2010, and I was beside myself because I was like, holy crap, it's the cover, and it's in print, and mom, I made it. Why? Mm -hmm. I forgot that. It was wild, Courtney. I guess coming back to, to your parents with that with that regard, did uh, do you feel like at this point they've they've accepted that you're that, that you're a photographer? This is like where your heart lies, or do you still feel like you're sort of working to to have them accept you as that like I, i'm only asking that because obviously being you know in my mid to late 30s and still doing a punk band you know <laughs> it, you always feel like hey you know i swear, like look we're on the we, we're getting covered in this even though like i know my dad has is accepted that <laughs> this is what i'm gonna do but i always have that in the back of my mind where it's just like i swear i'm working at it i'm still doing it you it's know still a job. Do, you, do you feel that with them I think it must have been when I when I um, bought my camera and they were no longer paying for anything photo wise. They realized, oh, this is not a hobby. You're serious about this. So I'm thankful that they caught on very quick <laughs> that that was a thing. Mm. And um, I don't think they've ever outright said, you know, we're proud of you because that's just not my family. It's more like the action of like showing support. But I think, um, yeah, very early on there, they realized, oh, wait, you weren't just asking for a camera or film just to, you know, go mess around. You're actually serious about this. And then seeing my name, you know, in publications and having, you know, shows and stuff and being invited to be in part of shows, they were like, oh, whoa, you really are <laughs> serious about this. And so I've become like the family documentarian, which is like the actual dream. Oh. And um to this day, I have a whole MFA. Like, I have two degrees in photography, but my parents are the most proud of me photographing Kenichi. <laughs> and I was like, I have a, I have two degrees, but yet you're proud of Kenichi. Cool. I guess I'll take where I can get it. It's totally, totally fine. Oh, that's so... You know, it's funny. When I saw, I remember when you posted that those photos, and I've seen those those photos you've taken. What what was the assignment for that? What were, who were you shooting for? And what was that experience? That's, that's incredible. It's honestly a once in a lifetime opportunity. And it came at such a weird, such a weird time. And it's like my favorite photo or yeah, favorite photo story to date. Um, at the time, I think it was like four days out post breakup or whatever you want to call it. Like just like terrible thing, whatever. And um, taking back Sunday, we're doing their 20 year anniversary shows and I um, was seeing them the day after said breakup. And I had a, my very first like public panic attack in the photo pit. <laughs> in the photo pit because I was so heartbroken. Just so like, oh, no. what is happening to me? This is so terrible. And so taking back Sunday, one of my favorite bands. And I couldn't fully enjoy the experience of photographing them <laughs> alongside Erica and Carly because I was heartbroken. Hilarious. And so um, I had an assignment to photograph Neo, I think that Friday. And so I texted my friend. I told her, I'm so sorry. I have to cancel on you. I've never done this before, but I'm in the middle of a breakup. And like, I truly can't pull myself together in time to like actually be on set. 
so sorry. And so she, you know, uh, she understood what was happening. And that was that. And so I think a few moments later, I received a text from a friend. And she asked if I was free to photograph Kenny, just straight up, straight, free to, uh, straight up free to photograph Kenny. And I was like, sure, I love the starting line. I love the photograph Kenny was like. <laughs> and so it took a few more hours for me to realize, oh, shit, no. You were with Kenny G, not <laughs> Kenny from the starting line. Holy fuck, <laughs> yes, I can pull it together Very for different. Monday <laughs> to like photograph yeah. Kenny G at his house. <laughs> and so I was like, still heartbroken, but also going to smile it through for Kenny, <laughs> Kenny G. Yeah. And um, yeah, so she was his, she was running his socials for three years, three or so years. And it was the first time that they brought in an outside photographer because she finally, you know, let them know like, hey, we really need to have like updated photographs for content, blah, 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 whatever. I know someone who's really great. Let me ask her. And I was like, holy crap. This is the first time they have an outside person. I can't mess up. I'm just going to like do what I can. But also this might be the last time I photograph Kenny G. How can I get a photo that I would be the most proud of? And so- sure. Um, I think he was like filming something for some golf um, channel interview thing and just BTS stuff. I was the second photographer and I knew that like I wanted photos just to have, you know, for my own person, personal, you know, use. And that's where the couch photos come because I think he thought the room wasn't like well lit. And I was like, the lighting here is beautiful. Of course, it's amazing. Let's do it in here. And yeah, so middle of a heartbreak, pulled it together for KG. <laughs> <laughs> not Kenny from the starting line but it's hilarious how like yeah. I was like yeah I love the starting line <laughs> I <love to> do <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how the, how uh, how these circumstances can come together and you end up being around people that are so far out of your normal you know uh, just circle and you know it's 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 very odd uh, the only thing I can kind of relate to that with it wasn't working together but um touche's management company is rock nation which is like the jay-z's company mm -hmm. and um so the benefit is that we get to go to those uh, to like their grammy brunches which we uh, are just amazing. we are just not there's no reason for us to be there there's genuinely no reason for us to be there and um so we always just you know for us it's just a great way to people watch and just see insane stuff and be around insane people like just where you're just like i can't I'm, i can't believe i'm next to these people even though uh we're very rarely allowed to interact with them there's always bodyguards and stuff but but uh <clears throat> but the first time we went uh Elliot and I were being silly and just trying to take uh, photos with as many insane, just like crazy celebrities as possible that like are so far outside of our world just for the sake of doing it. And um, I, I, this is where my comparison comes in. I took a photo with Michael Bolton. No. <laughs> I, was, I was like, I was like, holy yes. shit, that's Michael Bolton. And, I, and Elliot and I, the drummer and I got to actually watch uh, Michael Bolton be introduced to Kanye West. Oh my God. And it was the, just watching that happen, I was like, just look at, like, <laughs> look, what are we looking at right now? Like, how wild is that right there? It's like, oh just God. too. And, and it wasn't that long after where I think Kanye put out the songs with, uh, with uh, Paul McCartney. So it's like, you know, in my mind, I'm like, it wouldn't be surprising to see Kanye put out a song with Michael Bolton. That seems like some wild shit he would do. Um, but yeah, of Kanye, like, he also, I guess he, like, did a thing with Kenny 
And so, like, oh. I was, like, sitting there just, like, beside myself. Like, what am I listening to? <laughs> like, what is happening? Like, what is this world? <laughs> this is so fascinating. It's truthfully so fascinating. Um, I guess we can, we can hop into uh, to the to the to the front thing. I got to say, you know, when thinking about to the front um, and for listeners who who are unaware to the front is a uh, is a collective of uh, women photographers and non-binary photographers that that uh, all contribute to just these great photo shows. And it's just like a great collective. And um What's so cool is so many, you know, I don't, I won't claim to say that I know every photographer involved because there's such a massive list, but like a lot of the main ones that have been a part of it from the beginning or the, or the kind of the runners of a lot of the different art shows, all awesomely enough are people that I'm lucky to have met just from touring, you know? So like I met, you know, everyone from like, you know, or being in band, you know, Carly Hoskins, the Angela Owens to, um, Erica Lauren, Daniel Parsons, like all these different people that, that all lived in different places throughout the country, but somehow, you know, you all found each other in, in your own way. And I'm curious how that came to be. Like, was it just through the internet or, or how did you all find each other? Um, I've known Carly. I want to, oh, wow. Maybe it's been 10 years, 10 or so years, but just seeing her at shows. And again, at the time I was using film and I thought everyone using digital was just like inherently way better than me and also thought they probably were better than me. So I was like so afraid of meeting her because like this person's work is so amazing. But like I'm the little kid with the fucking film camera. <laughs> like no one, no one cares about me. And, you know, come to find out she got the exact same thing. She was like, oh, my God, this person's a real photographer. She's using film and I'm using digital. Like, I cannot mess with her. And with all the years wasted on us, just like assuming the other hate each other. Holy moly. Though, you know, we had a lot of crossover because she was always, you know, at the cobalt with like the sheds and stuff. And um, so that was a thing. Right. But Erica and I met, I want to say maybe five or so years ago via mutual friends um, at a Warp Tour. But I've known about her work because, um, you know, small, small world, always saw her name, like attached to photographs and stuff. And again, thought like, I can't meet this person. Like, she's so amazing. Like, I have nothing to offer to anything. <laughs> <laughs> and also, you know, like, so we, I think, I forgot how we actually bonded, but we bonded over just feeling so defeated and heartbroken over music because, we just like didn't feel like we were like employable despite trying our best to like hop on tours, just get like gigs and stuff. And um, yeah, so we bonded over that. And I think it was later that year, or maybe a year later, we um we she was at a show I was at, um, because I was invited to part be part of this women, well, women of color like art show, like a group show. And um, she had just got off tour with AJJ and she had hurt her knee. So she was on crutches. She like walks in, or I guess, you know, hobbles in with hobbles in, yeah. <laughs> with some roses. And I was like, oh my God, flowers for me. And I guess like just seeing the work in the room inspired her. And she'd asked me if I wanted to, you know, do something similar, you know, with music, but just like Danny and Carly. And before she even finished her sentence, I was like, yes, yes, fuck yes. Because I also was thinking about doing something like that with music because I, in my brain, like there's no divide between art and the art world and the music world. Like to me, they're the exact same thing, it's just different players. And it felt so like weird to like not have the same 
I guess, celebration within like the music industry. And instead of waiting for someone to, you know, call us up and be like, hey, come do this thing. We thought, why don't we just do it ourselves? Like have our friends and have a one night only thing and call it a day. And we had no idea anyone <laughs> would show up on a freaking Wednesday, but they did. Our friends came on a Wednesday during rush hour to this like gallery to see our work. And it was the most beautiful and overwhelming thing. And then it grew to like from four artists, like over 50. And I'm like, wow, we, we did that. Holy shit. Holy shit. We did that. Yeah. And, you know, from an outside's perspective, someone who, you know, I don't, I've never tried photography or anything like that. Like it's, it's really cool. It's, you know, it's, it's, it brings you to a, uh, a big all in one place sort of show where there's so many different, um, it, it makes you, it makes you really appreciate all the different styles of photography that come even with just live photography. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you, you, from, from an outsider's perspective, like maybe you're not realizing all the different ways you can shoot something like a live performance and going to one of those shows and really getting to absorb that. It does let you realize that like, Oh, there's a lot of different ways to tackle this. And sort of showcase all the different talents that come in with that so i'm thankful for just being able to 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 experience it from a from a you know outside perspective um and just being a fan um so thank you you for for putting all that hard work into that oh thank you so i'll I'll wrap this uh i'll wrap this up with um you might have already answered it but do you remember the first time where you felt like you were doing the thing you've been working so hard towards Ooh. The very first time. Um, yeah, it was definitely undergrad. So undergrad when um, I was the only person that I knew who was like trying her best, like, you know, because I art school's weird. Art school is like you can do whatever you want, call it art, it's art. But I felt like the entire time in undergrad, I was pretty much trying to like make a case for documentary photography and like music photography and like how those are both quote-unquote art and how they deserve to be in galleries and stuff and at the time I was also photographing my parents and I was like bringing that into the classroom and stuff just keeping it you know at home and I felt so just like alone in the whole like I love music I love documentary I love you know really humanizing my my sitters and I felt like no one was listening I was like talking to a wall and then I started winning scholarships (laughs) at the school and I was like holy crap like these are just like diary entries like this is my artist statements literally from my diary verbatim what do you mean like I won an award for an honest thing you know I wrote about and for these photographs that like I thought no one cared about and I think once I was like receiving that note you know just like being noticed for that I was like this feels right and I want to keep doing this this thing despite being like you know one of the few people who are actually like you know pouring their actual heart out of, you know, their souls and stuff. Um, and so it was like seven, eight, nine years ago. And to this day, like I'll get awards or just get whatever. And I will be on the verge of tears because it's literally in my diary. Like I'm literally pouring myself out and it's scary, but you know, hearing the, hearing the stories and hearing the, like your photograph of this reminds me of this moment with my mom or whatever. It's, all I could have ever wanted, you know, to be seen, to be seen, to feel heard and understood and everything. And I can only imagine probably what musicians feel like when 
we as fans say, this song got me through X, Y, Z. It's like, well, holy crap. Like, thank you. Because I thought I was alone in, <laughs> I was alone in this. And so, yeah. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> That's that's amazing. It's amazing that that's how it came your way through through a very deep personal expression. I love that. That's awesome. We all appreciate you and I appreciate you. I appreciate you for for what you do and for and for giving me some of your time this morning. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. All right. Well, I'll let you go. I hope you have a I hope you have a good rest of your day. You too. All right. Talk soon. Bye bye. Bye. Hey, thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe or follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you choose to listen. And if you can spare a moment to give us a rating and review on Apple, it helps the show gain more visibility and that can make all the difference. Thank you, and I'll see you again next week. Yeah.